Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. This is Pastor Laura Hutchinson from First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama. I'm glad you're here. Happy New Year, everyone, and happy Epiphany. January 6th is Epiphany, the last day of Christmas, and the day that we remember the wise Gentiles who traveled from the East to pay homage to the King of the Jews. And so today is the last Sunday of the Christmas season and the first worship service of the new year. So welcome. It is wonderful to have you, and I am grateful you're here. We will start the service today with a reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and following, which is the story of the wise men coming to visit Jesus, the child. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. As we worship in the name of the one who came to save us all, I invite you now to go get your elements for worship, your communion bread and juice or wine and a candle. Let us light it and welcome in the light of Christ. And now let us sing together, We Three Kings. Forever, ceasing, never, us all, 
Scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. After the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Merciful God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. In our scripture today, we see that under the threat of death, Joseph and Mary followed God's guidance and they were safe in Egypt for several years. Then when the threat had passed, they were brought home. It's a nice story of God looking out for the good and innocent child and protecting him from the evil Herod, isn't it? But we can't really discuss this story without first addressing the horrific injustice of what happens right in the middle of Jesus's family's salvation. 
As God warns Joseph to flee with his family in order to save Jesus's life, Herod goes on to massacre all the other babies of Judea in the hopes of killing the infant king of the Jews. And the obvious question is, if God is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-good, why didn't he warn the parents of those other children like he did Jesus' parents? How could he save one child and let all those others die? The fact is, other than in the Gospel of Matthew, there is no account of a mass slaughter of children under Herod's rule, thank God. While there is plenty of documentation that Herod was a cruel leader, chances are slim that he was actually responsible for the deaths of so many innocents, especially in and around Bethlehem. So if we are operating under the assumption that this story isn't entirely historically accurate, at least this portion of the story, what then is the divine truth that we're supposed to learn from it? And this is an important question, an important lesson for all Christians. You know, just because some things in the Bible may not actually have happened, it doesn't mean there isn't a powerful lesson that God wants us to learn from them. So what we see in Matthew's account is that God's plan for Jesus and humanity would not be thwarted under any circumstances. This story shows that while Jesus was at his most vulnerable age, which was birth to four years old, God kept him safe, thus assuring the salvation of all people, not just one child. And the account of Herod's murderous rampage and of the inconsolable grief of the mothers who lost their children is perhaps reminiscent of God's grief over his children lost to sin. Thus the accounts of the many times God intervened to keep Jesus safe in the midst of such a fallen world it shows God's determination to save all of his children once and for all. So Jesus's parents fled to Egypt under a shadow of death, and they remained there until the shadow had passed. But when they returned to Israel, they realized that a new threat existed in Judea, and so they settled in Judah to allow the child to continue growing up in safety. I think you might agree when I say that we also are living under a shadow of death, aren't we? More so than during normal circumstances, the threat of death lingers at our doorsteps, and we are living in a kind of exile in an attempt to remain safe, just like Jesus and his family did. Mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, daughters and sons, loved ones of all kinds everywhere are wailing with loud lamentation, like Rachel weeping for her children. They refuse to be consoled because they are no more. I can't imagine that there is anyone left who hasn't been touched by the virus in some way. And while I am painfully aware that there are still so many people refusing to acknowledge the danger Every person's life was absolutely changed in 2020. In fact, 2020 was so disruptive in so many ways that everyone celebrated the end of the year with the overwhelmingly hopeful anticipation that 2021 will be somehow better. Maybe it will be better, and maybe it won't. There are no guarantees for what life has in store for us, but there is one promise that we know will be kept. God's presence is in our lives forever. 
we can be assured of that promise because a certain child survived to adulthood and then chose to lay down his life for us. Matthew's account of Jesus's flight to Egypt, guided by the wisdom of God, shows us God's determination to make right his relationship with us once and for all. Nothing was going to come between God and his children again, not Herod, not greed, not duplicity, not sin of any kind. God would no longer have to grieve the loss of every child again, because in Christ Jesus, God's children would be restored to the heavenly realm. You know, for a long time, my favorite genre of television, books, and movies was post-apocalyptic dystopian type stories. For example, <clears throat> I love the show The Walking Dead. I don't like it as much anymore. It just hits a little too close to home. Um, but for a long time, it was one of my favorite shows. And people often asked me what I saw in a show that was so violent and gory. And I would tell them that my fascination had to do with the dilemma that all the characters had to wrestle with. How to maintain their humanity and moral code in a world that no longer had any rules. These genres all deal with issues of right and wrong, good and evil, and how to navigate through them when there is no law of the land to guide them. And as I said before, we seem to be living in a world that feels very much like that today. At least, sometimes I feel like we do. All the rules of right and wrong, so long accepted by the majority, are being challenged right now. Basic human decency is no longer considered a virtue, and it's every person for themselves at a time when the very survival of humankind is dependent on every person acting selflessly and sacrificially. The enemy these days is not King Herod the Great, but rather an overwhelming atmosphere of chaos where the normal rules no longer seem to apply. So how do we follow our moral compass? How do we find our true north when the needle is spinning aimlessly between the poles? How do we maintain our humanity as we sit here in the shadow of death? And I don't just mean the threat of physical death. I also mean the threat against the very values and norms that we hold dear. Well, to go back to my post-apocalyptic analogy, the most reassuring character in any story is the one who is the group's moral conscience. In The Walking Dead, it's often Rick Grimes. Most of the time, he's the one who insists on doing the right thing, even if it goes against the wishes of the rest of the group. He's the one who has to make the hard choices and the greatest sacrifices to ensure the protection of those he loves. And he's the one often putting himself in danger in order to protect not only the physical safety of his people, but also their spiritual and ethical safety as well. In our scripture today, God does everything to ensure the safety of his son, Jesus. But not because he's biased and thinks Jesus is more important than all the other children. No, God protects protects the Christ child at all costs because God knows that the child is the key to saving everyone else as well. Today we live in a world where, like Herod, our leaders are more often than not failing in their mission to make the world better for their constituents. 
We live in a world where every person is out for themselves. We live in a world where sickness and death are more of a threat than ever. And we live in a world where it's sometimes difficult to discern right from wrong. But we also live in a world where God has inserted himself into history in the form of a human being in order to bring hope to a hopeless situation, in order to bring light into darkness, in order to bring direction to the directionless, in order to overshadow the shadow of death itself, and in order to be our moral compass when we're lost in the wilderness. You see, Jesus knows what it's like to live in a world like this one because he lived in it himself. The only difference between our world today and the one that he was born into is our world knows the hope of the gospel where his world did not. Because of Jesus, our world has a resurrected savior who has triumphed over death. Our world has a conscientious leader to show us the way out of the chaos. And our world is full of beautiful possibility because God walks with us each and every day reunited with creation through the love of Christ. Yes, life seems to have gotten quite bleak at times, overshadowed by the many threats that we face, and it's easy to feel like we've lost our way. But in the same way that God guided Joseph and his family through the danger, Jesus guides us today. Lean on Christ each and every day this year in 2021. And follow his example always. He will lead you true, straight out from under the shadow and into the light once and for all. Amen. Amen.
any hope that we have for this new year grows directly out of the table that we see before us. We hope for love, for peace, for joy, for health, for safety, for well-being, and more. We hope for these things for ourselves and for all the people we know and love. And we have hope because our Savior was born, because our Savior died, and because our Savior lives. Because of the sacrifice and the triumph over death, life's greatest enemy, we walk in the knowledge that we do not take this journey alone. Thanks be to God. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Please pray with me. Thank you for the blessing of your birth, your life, your death, and your resurrection. Thank you, God, for loving us so much that you would go through all of that to have us with you once more. Thank you for always being with us. Thank you, gracious God. We love you. You are invited to come and eat the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. The blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Now let us sing together our communion hymn, Once in Royal David City. In royal David city stood a holy cattleshed, where our mother laid her baby in a manger for his bed. Mary was that mother mild, Jesus Christ, her little child. Christ came down to earth from heaven, love incarnate for us all, and his shelter was a stable, and his cradle was a stall. With the poor, the scorn, the Our childhood's pattern, day by day, like us he grew. He was little, weak and helpless, tears and smiles like us he knew. 
which you can find printed in the About This Episode segment of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ Christ will will come come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. As you go from this place into the new year, know that no matter what happens, you have the love of Christ and the presence of God to guide you wherever you go. Now let us sing our benediction hymn, Good Christian Friends Rejoice. Good Christian friends rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Listen now to what we say. Use, use, Jesus Christ is born today. Ox and ass before him bow, and he is in the manger now. Christ is born today. Christ is born today. Good Christian friends rejoice. With heart and soul and voice, now you hear of endless bliss. Joy, joy, Jesus Christ was born for this. He has opened heaven's door, and we are blessed forevermore. Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. Good Christian friends rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now you need not fear the grave. Peace, peace, Jesus Christ was born to save. Calls you one and calls you all to gain the everlasting hall. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save.